everybody. It is so good to see you here. And I want to first, before we, before I get up on the stage and share the sermon, I want to welcome some special guests we have. We have Alan and Tricia Shute, who are missionaries to the Asia Pacific Rim. And I wanted them to come up just for a brief moment and share about, they, they've been with us before, you may recognize them when they come up, but share about what God's doing uh, in their lives in this ministry. Would y'all come up for a moment? Yeah, you get the whole little thing there. Well, thank you for inviting us up this morning, Pastor Chad. And we are Alan and Tricia Shoot. We've been with the International Mission Board for about six years. And we had the opportunity to serve in uh, the Philippines for the last couple of years there and, and enjoyed that time. And that time has now come to an end. But here in the U.S., and one of the things that IMB has asked us to do is to connect with a number of the dif- different churches in our area. We live in Greer, and they assigned us about 20 churches, and one of them is yours. So we want to be able to pray for you as you pray for us, make that connection, a physical connection of some missionary that works and has worked in the overseas world. And we are really thankful for the Lottie Moon Christmas offerings that you support um, and give towards because 100% of that money goes to pay for the international missionaries that are there on the field. So um, just update you on that way. We just really appreciate all the prayers and that you uh, give towards uh, Lottie Moon and uh, just the support in general that you provide towards our international missionaries. We love our missionaries. It's so good to see you here this morning, and thank you for being here. I pray that some way, shape, form, or fashion, God would bless you and use you for His glory. I don't know how many of you have Facebook, but I had posted a video earlier this week, and I'd showed uh, during that um, video this picture. This is my grandfather's Bible. Now, it was given to him in 1972 by my mother. Now, Papa would pass in May of 1990. And this is something I hold dear to my heart. And the reason I want to show you this is because, and I'll be preaching out of this. I've, I've never preached out of his Bible. But if you look carefully, and I'll leave it up here for you to see, you can see the indention of his thumb, how he wore this Bible out. This is not over the past 33 years has it come to this condition. This has been very protected since he passed away. But when he left this earth, he left a little tired. And he left the Word of God completely gone through. You see, the reason I share that with you this morning is my prayer for you that you'd leave this earth a little bit tired and you'd burn Scripture up continually. You see, this has taught me several things. Number one, again, His love for the Word of God. He continually stayed in it. And number two, He left a legacy that all those those that came behind Him found Him faithful. There is nothing greater than the Word of God. And everything that He has given us here is God-breathed. And this morning, as we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, 12 
and 13, verses 12 and 13, I want to give you a, a background and context to what is happening here. You see, what will happen as we have been studying through Hebrews is here you have this Jewish group of believers that are facing persecution. They're Judaizers trying to tell them that, look, man, all that that you are going through and all that that you're doing is it's wrong. Come, come back. They're being persecuted from, from their own people, if you will. And then outsiders have said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. And the writer of Hebrews is writing them saying, look, that that you have been taught by the Word of God is truth. Do not harden your hearts for what's been spoken to you. And if you remember last week, we got into the rest of, of the Lord. And He tells them and He warns them, quoting from Psalm 95, be careful that you do not enter into His rest. Listen to what you have been told. God's Word is true. It is faithful. And if you have your Bibles, please stand with me as I read this text. Hebrews chapter 4. And I'll be reading from the King James. You can look on screen. You can look at your Bible. So he says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and to the joints and marrow, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any cre creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You may be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we study your word, that God, you would just examine our hearts to see that we are right standing before you. Lord, I pray that your word that we preach today, that is spoken today, that, Lord, it would convict the sinner and draw him unto salvation. Lord, we pray that it would ignite the believer. That, Lord, every one of us, when we leave those, these doors, we see this world as a mission field, sharing the good news of your son Jesus, the same good news that saved us. God, we pray you move in a mighty way, and, Lord, you are glorified in all things. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You see, a lot of times we misquote the context of this verse. Now, I'm not going to say that it cannot be applied to the, to the Bible, the Word of God. Of course it can be. But in context, he is going back to Psalm 95. Now, in this context that he's going back to Psalm 95, he is warning them of how they were. Now, I want you to listen. Psalm 95, this is what he's been telling them. He says, listen... Oh, let us come sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise in the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is great God and great King above all gods. In His hand are deep places of the earth and the strength of the hills also. The sea is His. He made, he made it His hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship, bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved, and saw my work. Forty years long I was grieved with this generation. I said, it is a people 
that do err in their heart and they do not know, have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath they should not enter into my rest. He is referring to the word. Logos is the word he will use. And he's not necessarily talking about just Jesus. He's talking about the revelation of God from the beginning to and through Jesus. All of the word is God breathed. And he is referring back to that to tell him, look, look, go and rest on the word that you have been shared. He is reading, I mean, referring to Psalm 20 or 95. Isaiah 55, 11 says, God's word will not return empty, but will do what God desires and achieve the purpose of which he sent it. Jeremiah 23, 29, God's word is like fire and like a hammer that can break a rock into pieces. John 6, 63, God's word is spirit and life. You will see that God's word is final. It is true. It is righteous. It is direct. And it's unchanging. I want to share with you this morning as we break down this work, I want you to look. It said it is quick and powerful. The Word is quick. It is active. It is a living book. I want to read something that my grandfather wrote in this book. How the Word of God is active. Not only does it tells us, tell us history, it continues throughout history. I want you to read what he said. On October 20th, 1944, in a foxhole in Metz, France, I was not sure I was saved. I had read in Stars and Stripes a few months before how a soldier's life was saved by a testament in his shirt pocket. The bullet stopped on the 91st Psalm. I took my testament out of my pocket and I read it. I then and there put my trust in the Lord and made it right with my Maker and Savior. Listen what he read. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, it's active. It is active in the sense that it brings the dead to life. It calls those who have strayed back into reconciliation. It takes the marriages that have been touched by horrendous things and brings reconciliation. It takes the sinner and brings him out of the midst of sin and turns his life into that life that is pleasing and righteous to God. That's the Word of God. It is active. It is living. I want you to understand that when we look at things like this, my grandfather knew to go to the Word of God because that's what held the answer. Not only is God breathed and He has given it for us for His glory and our benefit, it is a Word that we should continually engulf ourselves in. I tell you right now, I want you to listen to this, and I want to leave it up here for you to see that He knew that everything that He was and would be has to be centered around God's Word. Do you believe that? It's active. I can tell you many times if I've gone through my ministry and wherever I've lived, when I was working with NAM and I was sharing with them just a few moments ago, you know, just talking about IMB, which is International Mission Board. We have NAM, which is North American Mission Board that does the United States. But as I was living up there, I always got with the Gideons. And I would let the Gideons come to the church and share. And I'd let them do that for several reasons. When the Gideons would get up to speak, they were not preachers or teachers. They were laymen who handed out the Word of God. And they would hand out the Word of God in schools and in, in, in places at the military bases. And as you know, that time has changed. 
But they still do their best to hand out the Word of God. And every time they would stand up and give their testimony, it is not by what they had done, but what God's Word had done in someone's life. Whether it be at a hotel, whether it be at a school, whether it be on a military base, they place the Word of God in somebody's hands. It is active. It is still true. It has volume. It has force. And the Bible says not only is it living and active, but it's powerful. Let me tell you how powerful the Word is. John Wesley would tell the story that one day after preaching that he was going home and he was robbed by a gentleman. And as that gentleman robbed him and took his possessions, he went to leave and John Wesley said, wait a minute, you need to take these two. And the man looked at it with much surprise and he looked at him. And John Wesley gave him the Word of God and he gave him verses. You would find out that three years later at a revival meeting that John Wesley was preaching at, that the gentleman that robbed him several years before come up to him and told him, I'm sorry because the Word of God changed my life. That's the work of God. The Word of God changes people. It is powerful. Listen to what it says. The Bible also says the Word of God cuts. And I want to talk about this for a few moments. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. A lot of times people have come up to me and told me, said, Pastor, I don't go over there anymore. I go to that church anymore. I don't want to come here anymore because I'm not being fed. Let me tell you something. A lot of the times that people say they don't like, they don't, they're not getting fed, they don't like what they're eating. <clears throat> they don't like what they're eating. We have come to the understanding because of this culture that everything that we are has got to be ruled by this culture. And you see it coming into the church where instead of going out into the culture and influencing them with the Word of God, we bring in the culture into church to say it's okay because we're offending people. The Word of God offends. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Mike, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to You right now, Lord, as we've had an emergency in our midst. Lord, we are praying right now that You touch the body of Mike Johnson. Lord, we don't know what all he's going through right now, but Lord, we know that You are sovereign and in control. God, I pray right now that, Lord, You would just give him strength. Lord, give the doctors wisdom that, Lord, you would touch his body with healing. Lord, we pray that the same, same your son, Jesus Christ, who has saved his soul, Lord, sustains him in this time. Lord, we're praying for wisdom. We're praying for strength. We're praying for your glory to be shining. And, God, I just ask that you be with his wife and those that are transporting him, that, Lord, you would just be with each person. And, Lord, use them for your glory. We stand on faith as the church, and know that your hand is mightier than anything else in this world. God, may it be upon him, and we'll praise your name. Amen. And I will apologize. Sometimes I don't see what's...
going on in front of me. But let us pray for him and let us continue to lift him up. And let us also continue to lift this word. You see, I, I think about it in, now that I talk about the word of God of how it pierces and how it cuts. You say, I just can't help, it just came to my mind. That same word that pierced and cut my heart, cut the man's heart that just walked out of this a few weeks ago. He was baptized a few weeks ago, Mike was. Because he was saved by the grace of God. And I believe that power that saved him will sustain him. But as we talk about that cutting word, I want you to listen. You see, he says, sharper than a two-edged sword. You see, the interesting thing about this, not only will that sword cut going in, it cuts coming out. But he also tells that sword has got a point at the end of it. You see, I want you to understand that that point is intended to tell you, listen, that some of the parts of our body are hard to reach. But that point will pierce all the way to the core. You see, the Bible tells me as Peter was preaching Pentecost, as he shared the Word of God, the Bible said they were pierced to the heart and said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. The Word pierces. But I want you to hear something with this too. The Word divides. It pierces, it divides soul and spirit. Listen. Now you will see people and commentators or commentaries that will try to divide the two. I believe they're used interchangeably in the text, which is the inward aspect of your being. But I want you to understand something about what he is saying here as it pierces the soul, or as it pierces the soul and spirit. I want you to listen. As it goes in, it gets to the heart of what we are. And the same word that pierces the heart will either convict us or to harden us. It will either convict us or it will harden us. pastor was giving an illustration when he was talking about marriage. And as he was going through the word after the service, a lady come up to him and was very mad at him. said, I can't believe you picked a day to preach that. He said, what do you mean? She said, why would you preach that passage? He said, was it heresy? No. Was I inaccurate of what I said? No. Then what did I do wrong? You happened to preach while a feminist was here. And he said, well, one of two things will happen. Either she'll repent or she'll be hardened. Brothers and sisters, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. Either the Word of God will pierce your heart and you'll fall in love with it. You'll wrap your arms around it. You will clothe yourself in it. Or you'll get mad and you'll walk away from it. It pierces. And it pierces deep. I sometimes think that we have a problem listening to truth. You know, many times in my life when I've been confronted 
when I've been confronted by the Word of God, it has upset me. And I want you to listen to me really well here. The Bible does not need my help in offending, nor piercing. The Word of God does that itself. And it does not need me to add to or take away from. I believe God's Word is true, and what we have is final. He don't need any help. Many years ago, a person came up to me, and they brought me a book about this lady who had spent many, time, many nights in hell and wanted to know what I had thought about it. This person had died and gone to hell several times. And I took that book and I looked at it and I threw it in the trash can right in front of them. And they said, why did you do that? I said, well, I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Number one, it says, take this book and the Bible. First of all, I don't need your book. I got the Word of God. Number two, the Bible tells me in Luke 16, when the rich man begged that he may come out and tell his family of this horrible place, what did Abraham tell him? He's got Moses and the prophets. If he don't believe them, he's not going to believe one that rose from the dead. The Word of God is enough, people. Is it enough? It is powerful. And it pierces. It is active. It is right. You see, when the Bible divides, and people harden their hearts, what they're saying is, I don't want to be filled with the Lord. I want to fill myself with me. Missionary once shared the story of they were met at the border and the guards at the border asked three questions. Do you have any drugs? Do you have any guns? Or do you have any Bibles? Now you may say, Chad, that makes no sense to me. Why would they ask for drugs, guns, and Bibles? Drugs and guns are dangerous, but let me tell you something and listen real clearly. The Bible is the most dangerous thing to a regime that's ever been printed. Why? Because it changes the hearts and lives of people. The Word of God is sharp. And it pierces to the inner core. Listen to what it says. It is discerner of our thoughts and intents of our hearts. One of the pharisaical mistakes that they would make was that they viewed everything sinful as what was external. But let me tell you this. God knows the heart. It's not what's external that makes you what you are. It's what's right here. Because what's right here will be revealed out here. You see, He knows your thoughts. He knows your actions. And He knows whether you trust. And I want you to understand, look what he says. That neither is there any creature in the manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see, I think back to the Garden of Eden. We were talking about this this morning in Sunday school. 
that once Adam and Eve were realized they were exposed in their own sinfulness, they hid in shame. See, the thing about the Word of God, it cuts down to the marrow. Not only think about a sword that goes in one way and cuts as it comes out, but I want you to think about a scalpel. That scalpel's precise and precision cuts and opens you up and it reveals all aspect of your being. That it shows who you really are. And none of us can escape it. None of us can escape the presence in the Word of God. David would say very clearly in Psalm 139, if I am in the mountains or up high, you are there. If I am in the deepest valley of hell, you are there. You cannot escape the Lord. He knows all aspects of your being. And you are filleted open that every part of your being is seen by God. And, and listen to me. I've met a lot of people that's fooled me. And we've heard the old adage that if it walks like a duck or talks like a duck, it's a duck. But if it walks like a Christian and talks like a Christian, it should be a Christian. But I'm going to tell you something. Does it continue to walk like a Christian and talk like a Christian and act like a Christian? You see, people don't, I don't see everybody every day. I see some of you two, three times a week maybe. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying I know, don't hear what I'm not saying, Okay. But I, I can be fooled. And you can fool those around us. But you cannot fool the Lord. He knows. That that you would do in private or you watch on TV, He knows. That that you do outside the vision of everybody else, He knows. Because His Word pierces. And when you hear this, you either get mad at him or you convicted by him. And I think about this. The Bible tells me that the sword that penetrated Lydia's heart was that that was revealed to the gospel. But the sword that pierced Paul's heart knocked him on his can on the way to Damascus. But listen to the point. They were both swords. And they revealed the inner parts and inner actions of their being. You see, as, as the writer is trying to tell them, listen, do not go on anything other than the promises and the works of God. As Psalm 95 says, listen. That's why the Word of God is still active, folks. Here is hundreds of years later, and he's referring to the Word of God. It still changes lives. Christ still saves. The same Word of God that penetrated the hearts of people in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Listen to this. In Nehemiah chapter 8, there was a king named Josiah. And Josiah had an evil grandfather or father named Ammon. His was Manasseh. But Manasseh's was Hezekiah. Okay. But what happened when Josiah took the throne is something remarkable. In the temple, they found the Word of God. 
And Josiah tore his robe and sent the priest to inquire upon God. And God said to them, since you have heard and humbled, he restores. You hear this? That same word, either you humble and submit and be restored, or you can turn your back and go the wrong way. But I can promise you the sword's going to cut one way or the other. You know, I've met many people who say, you know, the Bible's a confusing work. It was written by men many years ago. It is not applicable today. We've got to change with the culture, people. That's not how we live. That it was applicable to them, it's not applicable to us. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as I said, the same Word of God that brought Nehemiah to can pray for the walls around Jerusalem. The same God that brought Josiah to fall humbly before the Lord when the Word was revealed is the same God that touched my grandfather's heart in 1944 in a foxhole in Metz, France. God has not changed, people. He's still the same. And what we can take and what we can learn from this is this. Are you faithful to the works and promises of God? Do you believe He is who He says He is? You see, here's the thing. The one thing about us is it's easy to say we believe until we bury our nose in Scripture and are convicted by something that we don't agree with. But let me assure you that all the Word of God is Him breathed. He breathed it. And as I often people like to say many, many times, either you believe it's real and you believe it's still applicable, or you don't. God has not changed. You see, unfortunately, through context and through our, our, our misguided context and misguided preaching, that this precious word that is so real and alive has been turned into six flags over Jesus. That every piece and bit of it can be applied to any way I seem fit for my own glory. You see, in essence, that's what the Judaizers and them were doing to the Jews that were been saved. They're under persecution. You see, they were saying Jesus plus something. You can do this, but... And here's my whole point with this. Anytime we add to the Word of God, it's not the Word of God. Do you hear me? Anytime we add to the Word of God, it's not the Word of God. Everything right here from Genesis to Revelation is of God. And this Word still changes lives. I want to close with a thought. You see, as I have said many times, when I was saved, 
It was 25 years ago. I listened to a preacher preach John 3.16. I know most of you heard the story, but I want you to listen really good. He preached John 3.16, and I guarantee you most of us can regurgitate that verse. But when he broke down the whole verse in context, when he was talking about this man named Nicodemus who was a righteous or an unrighteous, or I wanted to say self-righteous religious man, it really hit me. You see, here's the deal. No one verse ever stands alone. It's surrounded by context. And when that preacher said something coupled with John 3, 6, 17, said, you must be born again. That hit me. You see, here's the thing. The Word of God changes you. You don't change it. And that night in my bathroom, there was nobody there but me and the Word of God. But praise God, it was enough. Brothers and sisters, it's still real, it's still active, and it still changes lives. Now today I want to encourage you that if you are what you say you are, and you are following Jesus Christ, then I pray that you bury your nose in Scripture. Say, well, Chad, I don't like to read. Well, you pray to God to help you with that. You know, with everything that we have now technology-wise, you may not be able to read, but I can tell you this. You can listen to the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, this is not just a sword, but an arsenal slam full of swords that changes people's lives. And I pray it's changed yours. You see, as the writer of Hebrews told him, hold to what you have heard. Hold to what you have heard because it is true. Hebrews chapter 10, a little further down, he will say, hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess for he that promised is faithful. Men will mislead. Men are corrupt. But the word of God is truth. It will cut you to your core. And either you'll repent or you'll harden your heart. I pray that everyone here today, that as that sword pierces your heart, you are in right standing with God. Brothers and sisters, there's none of us guaranteed tomorrow. As I've said many times, I do not possess the power to save a soul. Christ does.
But I know, one thing I do not know is when you're going to leave this earth. But this word right here will tell me how you leave it or how you can leave it. Have you turned to Christ in faith and repentance? As I say many times, it's not that you know Christ, but does Christ know you? Has he changed you? You see, the beautiful thing that when it clicked with me that I must be born again, I changed because Christ changed me. And I don't want to go back because I believe in the faithful promises of God. Yes, I'm not going to lie. There's times we get tempted and we prompted and then Satan gets under attack and he attacks us from all corners. You know, it was funny. One time the general, I think it was General Lee, was asked, Sir, are we surrounded? What shall we do? He said, I'll attack in all directions. When Satan attacks you in all directions, you go to the one that can handle all directions of the attack. And I promise you that he will not leave you or forsake you. And that battle that you go in, armed with the word of God, God will prevail. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this moment that you've given us. God, we thank you for the word. And God, right now, we thank you for our brother Mike. Lord, we pray again as he has had to leave due to some sickness. That God, you touch his body. Lord, calm his nerves and his wife's. Bring healing to him. And again, give the doctors wisdom. God, I pray that the same word of God that convicted his heart several weeks ago convicts others if they do not have a relationship with you. God, I pray that each one of us that are in here today, that our Bibles would look like this when we leave the earth. As I've said many times, Lord, people have asked me many, many times, what translation should I have? And Lord, I honestly believe a red one. One that we read continuously. Lord, may we continually fall in love with your word. The Lord, the same word that changes us, convicts us, sustains us. Lord, it also disciplines us. But as Christians, we learn, we grow, and we go. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for our missionaries. I thank you for the word that was shared just a few moments ago that we continue to support 
those who are home and abroad. And God, I pray that each person continues, first and foremost in their prayer, that they pray that the lost may be saved. And that, Lord, you would use each person in here as an instrument for your glory. God, I pray that as we sing our, our final song, the Lord, when we go out into the foyer and out into the community, the Lord, our, 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 our work as born-again believers do not stop. Not, Lord, that we work in to attain anything. We work because you have changed our lives. Because, Lord, we get busy. We get busy with the Scripture. Lord, move us. And God, there's been many times that sword has pierced me and I didn't like it. But God, you know my heart. Nothing is hidden from you. Your hands formed me and made me. And you know all aspects of my being, just like you know everybody here. Lord, use us continually for your glory. And we'll praise your name in all things. Amen.